Hybrid cloud infrastructure is becoming synonymous with enterprise IT. According to Flexera's 2021 State of the Cloud Report, 80% of organizations have a hybrid cloud strategy. But how many of those environments are properly secured? I'm your guest host, Allison Brooker, and this is IT Availability Now, the show that tells stories of business resilience from the people who keep the digital world available. Hybrid cloud solutions offer businesses the most customization, but they're also the most difficult to manage. On today's episode, we're talking to Leon Godwin, Principal Cloud Evangelist at SunGuard AS, about why a hybrid cloud infrastructure is hard to protect and how businesses can build security into their hybrid cloud strategy. Leon, welcome to the show. Hi, Alison. Excited to be here. So let's dive right in. What makes hybrid clouds so difficult to secure? So hybrid, by its very nature, means more than one thing. Uh, so you are it's like herding sheep. You can have um, resources in various public clouds, Azure, AWS, private clouds on-premise, and co-location environments, all of which equates to having a challenge in getting a holistic view of security across when it's in multiple environments. And that can create challenges around ensuring your security posture is effective. So what are some of the common mistakes businesses make when trying to secure their hybrid infrastructure? So uh, users and attackers are the sort of main thing. So uh, users often make mistakes. Uh, and so user education is, is a critical factor. Uh, and users can be exploited through social engineering and other means uh, and phishing attacks and the like. And, and attackers are, are getting much more creative in, in how they can exploit. If we just look at the news, we've had the Log4j, um, um, which is in, uh, which is a, like a Java framework that's in everything. It's in websites, it's in Minecraft, the game, it's on the, uh, the, the Mars rover. Uh, and all hackers have to do is just drop in a, a URL, a sort of pre-formatted piece of text, say, into a chat window, and they can gain remote control over an environment. And so people think that their security and their perimeter is, is secure, but actually there are uh, many ways to either the criminal to creatively bypass that security or have um, users' mistakes do that for them. So the biggest mistake is ensuring is people believing their perimeter is secure. You shouldn't think of security about stopping them getting in. You should also think about it, about what will you do once they get in, because they're probably going to. So in what ways are these businesses most vulnerable and where are the biggest threats coming from? So if we look at uh, the most uh, recent uh, study, uh, cyber attacks has grown by uh, 28%. Uh, over the last year, uh, and ransomware probably being one of the most aggressive vectors for attacking organizations. Um, but there are other things that are just disruptive that are annoying, like distributed denial of service attacks. Uh, and, and the other thing is um, using your externally facing services um, uh, to uh, to attack you. If we, if we look during the pandemic, lots of organizations externalized a lot of their services to support a remote workforce. Uh, and miscreants have uh, decided to use that as an opportunity to attack because a lot, a lot of these things were deployed in a very rapid tactical fashion, but didn't necessarily have the robust security. So uh, ransomware is, is one of the main attacks. The crypto mining uh, and using that as a direct revenue generating stream on uh, organization systems, which is very disruptive to their systems as it 
consumes all their resources uh, and distributed denial of service attacks are, are probably the biggest attack vectors. So when you have all these different attack vectors, um, one of the ways that um, organizations need to pivot is to think about the speed of innovation that is available to them through, through in the cloud. So for example, on-premise environments tend to go through a, a, a fixed procurement cycle. Maybe they'll update their security devices and appliances every three or five years. Whereas within a few mouse clicks, you can deploy more modern security solutions from the cloud. And it provides an opportunity to expand your and improve your security posture more rapidly. That's great. So so how so? Can you dig into that a little bit more? Sure. So the marketplaces in the public cloud offer a huge range of uh, tooling uh, and capabilities. And more than that, as new threats emerge, having technologies that can uh, improve a company's uh, security posture uh, and even evaluate them are much more readily available and quicker to deploy. I'll give you an example. Um, one of the products that we offer is uh, around uh, manage, detect and respond. It's, it, it provides a perimeter that if that perimeter does get breached, it provides that sort of forensic examination to inform you when it was you were breached and therefore give you insights into when your clean data was available uh, so that you can then deliver a recovery uh, practice uh, to ensure that you've recovered a clean data set. That makes a lot of sense. So you started to dive into some of this, but how do organizations really build that security into their hybrid cloud strategy? So as, as I mentioned, just expanding on that managed detect, if you think of it as sort of four logical groupings, you've got the perimeter security, your uh, intrusion prevention systems, your firewall systems, your network access controls, uh, and elements like that. Uh, then you have your internal uh, systems that are looking uh, for to detect threats. So the intrusion detection systems, the um, detecting unusual behavioral patterns and your security information and event management systems that are logging all the data so to, to, to be analyzed to be able to detect what's going on. And then if and when that cyber breach has happened, you need to be able to rapidly respond and rapidly recover to minimize disruption, disruption to your business. So um, try to stop them getting out, but once they get in, understand how they got in, what they did, where your last clean data is, and having a recovery paradigm um, that will allow you to recover rapidly to a point in time, whether that be disaster recovery or backup or some other method. And then the fourth bucket is effectively having your effective controls in place around governance. You need to be able to have a partner ecosystem that is ready and willing and able to deliver rapidly. You need to have a communication strategy. So when the command and control elements kick in, should your chief executive be communicating with the press or with other parts of the organization? What are the individual roles and responsibilities in terms of um, developing, maintaining and assuring that you have effective protection, identification, and recovery strategies. This is really great, Leon. I, I'd love to dive into each of these four buckets just a bit more, starting with the managing and protecting. I know, I know you just gave us a pretty good overview, but I'd love to dive in a bit more, starting with that managing and protecting. So managing and protecting, if you've uh, effectively, this is your, like your castle walls that you're trying to keep people out. That might include things like antivirus and anti-malware. 
Um, this could be things like uh, web, web reputation systems or intrusion prevention systems uh, and, and firewalls. And you can validate those through things like um, penetration testing. So anecdotally, I, I, I take part in sort of war games um, with, with like-minded colleagues. And we, we go through exercises of trying to exploit uh, each other's networks um, to detect vulnerabilities and to see how quickly we can either circumnavigate someone else's security or indeed if uh, you're in defensive mode detect when someone else is trying to get in and so that's like the the chap who sits on top of the castle walls who's trying to detect whether or not there are any uh, invaders uh, trying to breach those perimeters. That's great can you dig into the identifying and detecting a bit more? Sure so it's about oversight. You want to be able to see everything that's going on and you want to be able to make informed decisions about what's going on. So if you've got a lot of systems, network devices, server devices, desktop devices, software as a service elements, and you can pull all those log files of all the activities that are going on and have something intelligent analyze those log files, that gives you a view of anything that's unusual that's going on. Also, network equipment that can do things like, in fact, I was working with a customer who, who actually went through um, this, this just last week. They detected some strange pinging activity that was going on uh, on, their, on their firewalls. And it turns out that uh, the network had been breached and the pings were coming internally. Uh, and it was a, a hacker that was trying to scan their network. But just in the action of them scanning, they detected the scanning activity going on and were able to rapidly respond. And they were they came very, very close to a full-blown cyber incident that would have been massively disruptive. But because they had the detection methods in place, they were able to lock down those systems, lock out that hacker, and it didn't cause as much business disruption as it otherwise might have done. Oh, that's great. You mentioned there's a good chance that bad actors will ultimately break into your environment. So I assume that makes the ability to respond and recover just that much more critical, right? Absolutely. And this is a, this is a key point. It's not about some people think that just having their perimeter secured is sufficient and having a backup is sufficient, but it's so much greater than that. And this the, the cyber threats and the emerging threats are changing that recovery paradigm. So having the ability to try to stop most of the attacks, but when they do get in, having the ability to detect when they came, come in, how they got in, so you can go and close that door. And indeed, once they've got in, if they've been uh, infiltrating, say trying to load malware onto your systems, being able to go back to your last known good state is absolutely critical. So having the ability to recover and say, it was two weeks ago that they came in. Um, this is my last known date uh, before they came in. I can recover to that point. But these other systems, maybe they have been compromised, but I can do a forensic examination and clean up that data uh, and recover all those transactions that may have uh, happened in the last two weeks. Having that capability to make informed command and control decisions about at what point you're recovering to, at what point are you looking to rescue data that uh, that may have been in a compromised state. Uh, and part of that is having a, uh, a recovery strategy that would include high availability, it would include disaster recovery, it would include backup, and it would include a sort of managed recovery program. All those are critical elements in ensuring that customers have the ability to respond to threats. And unfortunately, people see this as being quite a big problem uh, and quite a big challenge. And, and it's not insignificant, but it's absolutely critical. These threats are only rising. 
It's not a case of if you get breached, it's a case of when. Yeah, I, I makes perfect sense. So the last element of cyber resilience, governing and assuring. Can you talk about that a bit more? Absolutely. So there, there is lots of advice available online. Um, um, most government departments, uh, most government agencies um, offer advice on how you can go and secure uh, your estate. You, you may also be operating in a compliance framework, or maybe you're processing credit card information, or you handle personal identifiable uh, information that means you are subject to a uh, particular international standard on, on compliance. Uh, and there is lots of guidance around that. So understanding what you want to achieve, what your obligations are in terms of uh, security and compliance, and then building out a business continuity plan will help you inform what systems need what recovery uh, and which systems would do intolerable harm to your business if they were down for a short period of time or a long period of time. And then having um, the strategy in place to have uh, to engage with third parties. If your data has been compromised and you need to do some kind of forensic audit or you need to do some kind of data cleansing, um, what have you got in terms of your supplier ecosystem that can help you with that in a timely fashion? And then the other element, which is really, really critical, is um, skills and training. This isn't a one-shot activity. A lot of these hacks happen because users will respond to a text message or an email uh, that isn't from whom uh, they, they're hoping it's from, uh, and it provides a backdoor for these bad actors. Reinforcing that training uh, constantly with your users, it's not a, just a one-time train them because these threats are constantly evolving and emerging. Um, and, and doing so, there's a recent activity going on where there are bots who are replying to comments on YouTube saying that they've won such and such uh, a, a product and all they need to do is pay for the shipping. Um, and then they're, they're contacting people via WhatsApp. They, these, they're getting more and more sophisticated in how they're looking to exploit users that haven't necessarily got the education to know that this is, uh, this is suspicious. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think, too, businesses have a number of competing priorities, right? So what are some of the steps companies can take to make sure cyber resilience is kind of a top-down business priority? So security is everybody's responsibility, but it starts at the board. The board needs to understand what would their impact be um, if their business was compromised? What would their impact be in terms of revenue, in terms of their customer, and in terms of their reputation? Having understood what those impacts are, building in that strategy around the continuity, the compliance, the forensics, the skills, et cetera, building those in so you have a, a holistic security posture. Uh, and when you're adopting cloud specifically, all of those components feed into your cloud strategy. Cloud strategy, you know, I, I hear it every day. I have a cloud first strategy, but it's too often it's a strap line as opposed to a, a, a set of documents that actually articulate what that specific security posture uh, is. And having that kind of holistic approach to cyber resilience will then inform all the people, process and technology that you will need to enable and, uh, and deliver upon that vision. That's great, Leon. Most organizations imply a hybrid cloud strategy because it offers the best of both worlds, a customizable cloud solution that's agile, scalable, and economical, 
with on-premises infrastructure that can house more sensitive workloads. However, it's also more difficult to manage, so businesses need to make sure they're taking the right steps to protect it. Cybersecurity is important, but it's not enough. You must also be prepared to respond and recover from cyber attacks and data breaches. Through holistic cyber resilience, you can be certain you're building proper security into your hybrid cloud strategy. Leon, thanks so much for joining us today. No, you're welcome. Anytime. Leon Godwin is Principal Cloud Evangelist at SunGuard AS. You can find the show notes for this episode at sungardas.com slash IT availability now. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. I'm your guest host, Allison Brooker, and until next time, stay available.